The Harlem Globetrotters remain a name synonymous with basketball and fun. After a few games in their founding hometown of Chicago, the Harlem Globetrotters traveled about 60 miles west of the city to play their first road game on January 7, 1927. Venturing past cornfields and barns to the rural Illinois town of Hinkley, population 650-ish, the Globetrotters faced the Hinkley Merchants. Though the Merchants topped the Globetrotters 43-34 that day, Globetrotters founder Abe Saperstein and his squad earned enough money to travel to their next game. And the Globetrotters, well, they haven't stopped globetrotting since. Now, on to the show. Yeah, isn't it amazing when Michigan can keep this game to a 19.9-inch game inside that three-point line, it's all there. The Chucker, 19.9's resident historian here on the 19.9 podcast. And I'm joined today by Corey Thunderlaw, who is now in his 10th year with the Harlem Globetrotters. A former standout at High Point University, Thunder is known for his 44-inch vertical leap and trick shot repertoire, which has helped him capture 11 Guinness World Records. We talk with the Virginia native today about his transition to life with the Globetrotters and his decade-long run with the squad. Thunder, thanks for joining us here on the 199 podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Well, man, we're we're thrilled for the time. Now, I think you're in the midst of a world tour right now with the Globetrotters. So, where where do we find you today? Um, right now, I'm in uh, Illinois, Champaign, Illinois. So, well, we have a show, yeah, have a show here tonight. I'm going to be heading to practice soon as we done with this podcast call, and uh, it's on at to the, the beautiful next one. State Farm Center, I imagine. Absolutely. Uh, the Illini could use some Harlem Globetrotter magic right yeah. now, that's for sure. So, um, cool, man. So, you know, we are a brand that celebrates basketball history. We're always interested in people's basketball origin stories. So t- tell us a bit about when you first got introduced to the game and, and how did your love for the game kind of develop and sprout? So I got uh, introduced to the game when I was about um, nine years old. Um, I started going to the basketball courts in Portsmouth, Virginia with my father. We would play. I would watch him play. Um, and then there was some guys there that, you know, that would just mess around with me a little bit. And then I, you know, had an opportunity to join the AAU basketball team. And it just, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't very good at all. It was it was definitely some trial and error. And then I can remember, you know, getting really passionate about it one summer. And then I got cut from the basketball team in seventh grade. And that and that just made me work harder, honestly. Um, you know, I don't come from a big, big athletic family or uh, athletic background, but um you know, had long talks with my mom and my dad telling me never to give up because I kind of wanted to give up at one point. But the inspiration came with from them and the confidence they instilled in me. And then eighth grade came and I could, you know, was doing something everybody else could do, which was dunk. And that just <laughs> gave me even more confidence. And I'm like, it's on from here, baby. <laughs> Setting the stage for your basketball yeah. entertainment <laughs> life, right? So, um, you know, you kind of roll that. I imagine, I know you have a nice high school career there in Virginia. And then you enjoy a nice career at High Point University in North Carolina. Um, I know that you completed your career at High Point in 2013. You were second on the school's uh, all-time rebounding list, despite being a wing. You know, you weren't a post player. You were a wing. That's compression. (laughs) Now, soon after leaving High Point, though, you joined the Globetrotter. So tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came about. So, um, you know, leaving High Point, I wasn't for sure what I was going to do. I knew I had, you know, I had hired an agent, but I wasn't for sure I wanted to go the basketball route, I'll be honest. And, um, but that's what everybody wanted me to do. And then I got a call from the Globetrotters, and uh, his name was Al Clarker. He told me, 
You know, he know I'm a high character guy. He's been keeping up with me. He saw me in the college slam dunk contest. And he thought I would be a great fit. I thought it was a prank call or something because I didn't even know the club challenges was recruiting players. And I didn't know, it just wasn't on my radar. And I went home and told my mom that story. And she just instantly went into a story about how the Globe Chatters had so much impact on her life growing up. And she told me a story about Curly Neal when he came to her class in seventh grade. And just the look on her face, man, I'm like, this is cool. And, you know, so I entertained it a little bit more. And next thing you know, they told me they had an annual draft and they were really serious about me. So in 2013, I was one of the players, uh, college players, one of two college players that was drafted. Still had to do a tryout. And then next thing you know, man, it was just fit for me. Like when I told my friends and family about him, everyone knows my character, my personality, how I am off the court. And they always would tell me, man, the Globe Trotters was made for you. This is something you can really have a career with. And I'm glad I listened to him. That's pretty sweet. So your mom knows of the Globe Trotters, but yes. what what did you know of the Globe Trotters? I mean, were, were they just something out there in the basketball universe that I you knew out there? I had, growing up. I, I had a Globe Trotters, uh, it was like a Globe Trotters basketball jersey. I had a Metal Arc Lemon basketball jersey. I remember getting it younger. And I knew they was like a, a really cool, fun team. And I will always see commercials around the same time, around March. And they will always come to Norfolk, Virginia. And, you know, I never, you know, never had the opportunity to see them play. But uh, God knows that, you know, I had the opportunity to be on the team. But so I, the only thing I knew about them was I knew they were still touring because I would see commercials. But and I knew a, a bunch of the guys had bald heads. That's all I knew. Some tall, bunch of tall head, bald black guys. That's all I really knew about him at first, you know. So and then it just going and went on and just you know, it's so much rich history that I went on to learn. So definitely uh, appreciate the moment, the the time I have with him. a little bit about that history and, and kind of how you've become a part of this this nearly century-long history here in a bit but you mentioned you you got drafted by the yes. Globe Trotters but then you have to try out what's that experience like oh, man when you go to I've never tryouts, been in a Globe Trotters tryout so you have to forget it, it, it's crazy so I don't want to get too much of it but like <laughs> so you go to these tryouts and like you know I have a 44 inch vertical and it's just you don't think Everybody has it. When you go to these tryouts, everybody has this unique skill set. And it's people jumping higher or jumping just as high as me. And it's crazy. And then if they can't jump, they're making 10 half-court shots in a row. And if they can't do that, they're just dribbling the ball. So everybody just has a unique skill set. And then everyone has a great personality, which is so cool and unique to see. You know, everyone's the funny one in their family. Everyone has a unique talent. So and it's just a beautiful room doing a Globe Trotter tryout. And it's just amazing. I'm glad I was one of the ones that was selected because tryouts aren't easy you know it's, it's a lot of competition here but i'm not gonna lie to you yeah you know it's as much a basketball skill as just someone who's has an outgoing energetic personality it's clear you do so tell us about the transition you're selected for the team tell us about the transition to becoming a globe trotter and kind of embracing its brand of sports entertainment you know i mean it's obviously still basketball right mm -hmm. you know we're still playing with round ball there's a 10-foot hoop you know Absolutely. all that good stuff but the globe trotters have a style all their own so how do you kind of get baptized into this world oh, man. and learn what the Globetrotters are all about? It's definitely like a, a culture shock, I said, because, you know, the Globetrotters, we're, we're good basketball players first. We're good entertainers and we're good people. I had the good basketball player and I was a good person. But that entertainment aspect, it just, you know, you have to really learn to be a, stu a student because you're entertaining the masses. The Globetrotters were an important part of sports. I mean, we've got to remember that for a long, long time in this century, 
The Globetrotters were the only team that anybody knew. Though Saperstein set the Globetrotters' original direction, a man nicknamed Goose is the one who transforms Saperstein's vision into something otherworldly. And after the game was over, I wanted to go to sleep at night. <laughs> He'd be practicing all this stuff, keeping me awake. He was a great roommate otherwise, but he worked hard. Known as the Clown Prince of Basketball, Reese Tatum brought a new level of energy to the Globetrotters' swelling fame. There's three, 4,000 people every night, more, that were entertaining. And you just don't know how to do that until, you know, you're just thrown in the fire. And my thing is, I, I remember I had a conversation with, um, his name is Hammer. He's, he's our showman. He's one of the showmen. This is my second year. I would like, I would get a monster dunk and I'm hitting the floor and I'm loud like I'm in a real college basketball game. So competitive. You know, sometimes I could be scaring a little four-year-old that's coming to see fun. And she's like, why is he so angry? So, you know, and then, those, and then other things, the showmanship that comes, you know, that, you know, getting a slam dunk and, you know, messing with someone in the crowd. So it's just, it just got to find a character. I like to say you just got to find a character. And I can't tell you how to find a character. I just knew mine was a lot of trial and error. I made a lot of mistakes. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes that I made. But luckily I developed into something, you know, that's a fun character and one of the showmen of the team. And before we talk about kind of that development of kind of developing, you know, who you are as Thunder, you know, out on the court, out when you're entertaining folks, I want to step back and just talk about your first game. You put on this iconic uniform. What do you recall about the first game? Where was it? What was it like? What do you remember going through your head? Okay, you so I remember, first game? I remember I was in uh, Madison, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, Big Easy. So Big Easy and Flight Time were one of the guys I did know because I would see him on um, Amazing Race a few years ago, a few years before I joined the Globetrotter. So that was another reason that, that kept them really relevant in my mind because I used I was a fan of Amazing Race. But I remember Big Easy was our team captain showman, and I was just nervous. And they were just throwing all crazy jokes at me because I was the only rookie on the team at the time, and I was nervous. And I run out of the tunnel, and I'm just looking like – and the first thing that came to my mind going through that smoke was the story that my mom told me about, when she, about Curly Neal coming to her school and the impact he had. And that's just one of the first things that came to my mind. I'm like, I'm about to, my goal was to just try to change one person's life that day. And I just, and then every day, and that's been a goal every single day since I, every time I run out of the tunnel, if I can just impact or change one person's life, I'm good to go. Job well done. And that's my goal every day. Cool, cool. Great goal to have. Now, you know, the Globetrotters, they have dunkers, they have trick shot artists, they have dribblers, they have the showmen. So, Tell me a little bit about how you went about establishing your own niche on the team. Because this is, this is a process, right? You mentioned trial yeah, and error. How do you develop kind of like, hey, this is what Thunder is about. How did, how did you kind of so, go about developing that and tell people what, what it is? Okay, so um, my niche is – I'm known for my long shots. I'm a showman, but my niche is the long trick shots that really got the name for myself. Um, before I even played my first Harlem Globetrotters game, I got a call from my PR team. And they thinking about doing some Guinness World Records. Do they think I can make a full court shot? I'll be honest. I had never tried a full court shot at the time. I just knew I was strong and I was ready to start making money. So I'm like, of course, absolutely, I can make. Coaches, high, college coaches don't like you trying to have full court <laughs> exactly, shots. Exactly right. I've never tried a full court shot ever. So um, his name was Brett Meister, and at the time he reached out to me. He said we're thinking about doing Guinness World Records, and I'm like, and then I'm like, so I'm shooting a couple days. I'm shooting full court shots, and I've like probably made one. Out of a hundred, I'm being honest. So, but I'm like, of course, I'm confident. So he texts me and says, "Yeah, I just got the record is 109 feet," and I'm like, "I'm just shooting at 94 feet and barely making it." But I still, I got the confidence. I said, "Yes, I can make it." Fly me to Phoenix, Arizona. So I get to Phoenix, Arizona, 
and they setting up the court and I see like this, like I didn't know how big it was going to be. I'm going to be honest, but I see Guinness world record people there and they all dressed in their blue blazers and they got the measuring sticks and, and, um, and it's intense. They record everything. I'm like, yes. And then then she's probably hello thunder today. You're attempting the Guinness world record for the world's longest basketball shot. And I'm like, all right, whatever. It's cool. So, you know, I give it a few, I give it a few practice shots and I tell her I'm ready to roll. And, um, and I'm shooting it straight ahead. And, I kept missing it. I'm like, can I change my angle? She was like, you know, the shot's going to make it longer. I'm like, okay, I just want to change my angle. And I shot it at the corner and I threw it, made it 109 feet. And I'm excited. My teammates are excited. The couple of teammates that were there that was excited for me. But a couple of days later when they released it, I started getting a bunch of calls. You're on SportsCenter. You're on Good Morning America. You're, I mean, this is everywhere. And on the first day, it has like 2 million views. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. So I mentally started thinking what I can do next. World's longest backward shot, world's longest under the leg shot, world's longest blindfold shot. And it just was something that was just hitting every year. I was setting a Guinness world record. And uh, that's how I found my niche. And it's amazing. So many of these things you never practice as a kid, right? Never You're practicing practice, your practice. Euro step. Not, not one record <laughs> I set, I never practiced. And after record four, I believe I started, it was either three or four, I started doing like polls on Instagram or um, Twitter at the time to see what was what's the next world record should be. And that's how I got the blindfolded. That's how I got the under the leg shot. And this was just from the fans, the world's longest sitting shot. He was just from fans giving me ideas what to do. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, uh, and you know, the Globe Trials have such engagement with their fans. I mean, that's just central to kind of who they are and what they're all about. So, you know, you've traveled, you've had this decade run with the Globe Trotters. You've traveled to more than 30 countries with the Globe Trotters. Talk about being on a world tour. And, and you know, at the, I know you have some. You have two daughters, I believe, too. Absolutely. Right? So yeah, I mean, listen, head. man, that's a challenging life. Oh my goodness. Um, so talk about the challenges of this life, but also a little bit of the joys of the life too. Um, the, well, I, you know, the challenge you missed it. Being away from home, uh, missing birthdays, leaving Christmas morning every year for the last ten years. I've left Christmas morning, and it's and it never gets easy. It's heartbreaking. But we've we've my daughters have become accustomed to it, and you know we celebrate Christmas the day before. Um, but with that being said, I leave Christmas morning and it's a blessing to be some other kids Christmas present. First day, every time I get on Instagram on Christmas Day, I get DMs from fans of their kids opening a Thunder jersey for Christmas. Their kids opening Harlem Globetrotter tickets. And, you know, as I'm getting on that airplane, I watch those videos and it, and it tells me my purpose. It lets me know my purpose here in life. So but that is one of the tough things, being able to leave my family and miss those things. But being able to travel the world and do what you love. It's a blessing and then have your family support what you do. It's an amazing feeling. So I'm just glad I'm able to do what I love. And that's traveling the world, putting smiles on so many people's faces. And let's give a shout out to the daughters. How old are they now? And are either of them involved so, in hoops? <laughs> um, so the, um, they they really love soccer, but they're they're Maya and Macy. Maya, she just turned 11. Macy, she'll be turning eight in March. So the girls are growing fast. They're really tall. Their mom is very tall. They're six two. So um, Maya, I'm six four. Maya already comes uh, over my shoulder at 11 years old. She's going to be pretty tall. All right. Well, High Point's going to start recruiting, hopefully. Oh, soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone. Uh, soccer players, though, you know, a lot yeah, of uh, they, former basketball players. Them. Play sport, I support them. Whatever they want to do, I support them. Ult- just make good grades and listen to mommy and daddy. and everything. Ultimately, that's what we want for our kids, right? We want them Absolutely. to follow some kind of path you love, right? Yes. So you mentioned this, this great thing about, you know, your passion, your purpose, putting a smile on kids' face, you know? Um, you know, outside of that, what else do you kind of most enjoy about being a part of the Globe Trotters and its storied history? Oh, the history. I mean, just 
my thing is I go to a lot of these places and I'll be at what's going on in the world. It's a lot of people who honestly never came across anybody that looks like me. Like I go to these small towns and they've never encountered a black guy other than what they see on TV. So I always want to be that person, that good representation of a, of a, of a decent black man or whatever. And I, and I, I try not to take it there, but I, I experienced some pretty crazy things here on the road with the globe travels. I'll be honest, going to these small towns. And I always just want to be a, have a good representation of what, a, what, what black excellence is. And that, that's something that keeps me motivated. And, you know, they, they can see, you know, whether whatever they see on TV or whatever the thoughts they have, I just want to break those barriers. And that's something the Globetrotters has done for many, many years ever since their existence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I just wrote a piece for 199 about the Globetrotters history. And, you know, I mean, started in the late 20s, a depression, mid the depression, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, going overseas in the 1950s and I mean, completely breaking geopolitical tensions, crazy, absolutely. crazy history, but such an uh, uplifting force, uh, uh, and shows the power of sport too. So, Absolutely. you know, and along with that Globetrotters rich history, it, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the Globetrotters are closing in on a hundred years now. How do you think the Globetrotters fit into the future of basketball and basketball culture? Oh, I mean, to be honest, Globetrotters is basketball culture and pop culture. We're innovators of a lot of things. And that's what we're going to keep doing, innovating and breaking down barriers. And that's the unique thing about us. We're so, we're, we're so accessible, first of all. And fans can touch, see us, and just and we're everywhere. We cover the whole globe. Um, I went to 21 countries just this year, you know, and played basketball. And one thing I've learned that the Globetrotters was the world. This was the Globetrotters, especially the last two years. So just keep being innovative, um, creating and coming up with new things. Um, the Globetrotters got something a four point a four point shot. I'm telling you. In the next few years, the Harlem uh, the Harlem Globetrotters will be a part of some more history because I think the NBA will pick up that four point shot. And we've been doing it since almost 10 years now. So we just keep being innovative and, you know, just passing the torch down. That's cool. Cool. Well, hey, some great stuff there. And I want to, you know, before we get out of here, Thunder, I want to close out the show with some quick run and gun styled questions. So I hope you're ready. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Your basketball inspiration as a kid. I'm from the 757, born and raised Allen Iverson. Nobody else. (laughs) And if he was six inches taller, he'd be the greatest basketball player to ever touch a ball. You know, pretty dynamic, no question. Yeah. I'm cooking some Georgetown gear today. Okay. Uh, most memorable moment from your career at High Point? Um, my most memorable moment in my career at High Point? Oh, man, okay. I remember we were down two. We were playing against Campbell University. The Camels? Yeah, Campbell. And, <laughs> no, uh, the, the Campbell Camels, right? Yeah, the Campbell Camels. Yes, there you go. Okay, <laughs> so you know Campbell. Good. You know your stuff. So, and I remember I got an and one. And we were we were down. We got an and one, took the lead, and I remember beating on my chest. And it was um my daughter was in the student section. I had Maya at the time, and someone was holding her up like baby Simba. And I got a picture of me pointing to her, and she's pointing <laughs> back. And that was just I'll never forget it. Any uh any fun experience with any of the big boys in college basketball? You ever play at Durham or you know any UNC? You're there in North Carolina, but any experience um, with with the power players that sticks out? Um, let's see. Uh, let me see any experience other than getting, I remember, uh, I, had, I took a bad loss. We played, it was Georgia. So, um, we played George university of Georgia one time and, um, they beat us bad the day before things. We were ready to go home. Coaches like <laughs> it, it was, I'm going to be real with you. So that wasn't a good experience, but we did have wake force come to high point and play. And we lost on the last second shot that they beat us lost on the last second shot, but that was probably one of the most memorable playing at ACC school. 
We played quite a at few. At home, but too. Not, yeah, at home. So that was that was a, that right there in itself. Them coming to our small little gym and playing us was crazy. Had me kind of rocking at High Point that oh, day yeah. when the Demon Deacons oh, yeah. came to town. All right, so you've been to 21 countries this year, over 30 countries in your career with the Globetrotters. I'm curious about a favorite venue or a unique venue you've played in. Because the Globetrotters have played in everything from dance halls. I mean, this goes yes. way back. Dance halls to, I read, a, a hollowed-out swimming pool back in the day. Oh, yeah. So. so just what's the most unique or favorite venue or distinctive I'll venue you've played at? unique, it wasn't. So we did a military tour a few years ago, and – um, we were traveling from, I mean, we did Afghanistan. Um, I was in Qatar, but we went to Djibouti and it's in Africa. We went to Djibouti and I played on all dirt. I mean, it was, it was for our military. And so that was a very unique, um, game for me playing on all dirt. And it was just like, and we put on the show as if it was 40,000 there. And it was, you know, it was just our military soldiers. So that was the most unique, one of my favorite places to play. Um, I want to think it's called, I think it's called the Whizzling. I'm, uh, but it's in Madrid, and when you go to when you go to Spain, I'm telling you, the fans are like no other. Hands down, my favorite place to play in the world is in Spain, and it's in Barcelona or Madrid. The fans is fifteen thousand. They stand up the whole game, shouting. It's like a soccer match, and they're just standing up yelling the whole game. So that's always a, a memorable place to play. Is, is there a very different vibe between the U.S. places you play versus overseas? Absolutely. So. The best way I could describe it, you know, we still get great fans here in the U.S., but they come and they're they're spectators and they're having fun. If something good happens, they clap and it's back to just spectating. But like I said, overseas, they're upstanding. They feel like they have a part of the show and they're just having a great time and they just really come and let loose a little bit more. I think here in the U.S., we're just kind of reserved and a little more uptight. Over there, it's not like that at all. <laughs> they come and have a good time. All right, man. Best part about traveling with the Globetrotters? The best part? My favorite is, you know, the the relationships I'm, I build with my teammates. That, I think that's my favorite part. You know, like I said, I have a family at home, but like last year I saw a lot of my teammates more than I saw my daughters, I'll be honest, just from traveling and having those makeup games. Um, I counted, I played 195 games last year. That's that's a yeah. So that's a lot. Over twenty one countries. Yes, yeah. I, I, I personally did one hundred and nine. So the locker room conversations and you know the 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 camaraderie we we, we build as a team, it's going to last forever. You know, I met some. You know, I had started off with teammates. Now I have new family members. And that's how I like to look at it. So it's definitely the relationships I build with my teammates, guys like Speedy and, and Carl, and you know the list goes on. So it's definitely a beautiful thing. All right, cool. Final question for you, Thunder. Will you ever be able to get the whistling tune of Sweet Georgia Brown out of your head? I I would never be able to get it out of my head. <laughs> I, but the great thing about it, I really love it, though, so I don't, I don't mind. It is it's one of the catchiest and, tunes around, isn't it? Yeah, I know. We had Teddy Riley remix a song a couple years ago. I had I heard Snoop Dogg. He, I, heard, I got a chance to be in a studio with Snoop Dogg and listen to him rap over the beat, so... It doesn't get no better than that, man. <laughs> you know, you think about, you know, all these things, you know, all these potential career opportunities for basketball players. And as you were, you know, you know, growing up in the game and and thinking, oh, I, maybe I could play, you know, everyone obviously aspires to the NBA, but then Absolutely. you can't really think, well, maybe I can go overseas. The Globetrotters isn't on people's radar. Here you are living that life and living yes. your best life in that respect. Absolutely. It's definitely a blessing. 
All right, cool. Well, let's end it on. Let's end it there. Thunder, let you get on to practice. Get on with your day. Thanks for sharing your time with the 199 podcast. Thank you. Uh, they did so many things. I appreciate 199 and, and the Chuck are bringing these ideas to the forefront again. I can't wait to see what all the, the stuff looks like because I think it's fun to uh, represent these stories uh, while I'm walking around. You know, it's a billboard, not just for something that I love, but for the ideas and the, the, the legacy that the Globetrotters uh, brought forward. Thank you for listening to the 199 podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. Five stars only, like the basketball camp. We also have links to all of 199 social media so you never miss a release. Until next time, 